the Damaged Goods Podcast. On a rascal, <laughs> just shooting, zoom, yeah. she's pulling up like she, you. She, she's last like functioning her legs like fucking Wally. <laughs> she's just sliding across the floor. Oh, dude. Oh man, back in the day, like you know, in in um, at least in European culture, the, the the rich, which were the fucking the monarchs and shit, they were like, especially the women, they'd be a little bigger, a little yeah. horizontally challenged, if you will, yeah, yeah. because it was a sign of I'm eating good because yeah. I've got money. Where now, um, you know, people, there's a notion that you know poor people tend to have a less healthy diet because less access to good quality foods. So now you may be fatter if you're poor versus being fatter because you were rich and wealthy and powerful. What? How? How the tables have turned? Well, uh, people getting fat now because they're eating fucking absolute shit. So you know you can be wealthy and eat health, eat a lot, but it's good shit, and you're probably still in a better place. I mean, it's just the shit that we put in our bodies. If you're poor, you know, between fast food, between lack of vegetables and shit like that, people just like their stomachs are probably just dumpsters, bro. Yeah, there's got to yeah. be people that just have never. Had a healthy meal in their life, uh, their entire life. Are there food deserts in like? I mean, maybe not in Albuquerque because that's a city, but in Greater New Mexico, you know what a food desert is. I'm sure because you're yeah. mad intelligent. I mean, I, I would I would say there's. Get this mic right in front of you. Let's get there. You go. Oh right my bad. There. No, you're good player. Check it. Check yeah, it. I want them to to learn about the food deserts that may or may not exist in your home state. I mean, the nice thing about the West, as opposed to say. New York City, Boston, places on the East Coast, Philly, you know, you go to a lot of those places and you, you see it, it's blatant, you know, you mm. just, it's just nothing but bodegas, it's serving whole mm. neighborhoods, and then maybe, uh, like, what was the joint that was owned by the, the, the drug dealer in Harlem, he was friends with Big L, what was that shit? Uh, wow, what's wrong? I don't know about this, enlighten me. No, there's a there's a grocery store out there, I'm blanking AZ, on the name. Alpo? What's it like? It, I think it was Alpo, was one of the owners, but it's, it's Big L was shouted out in rhymes and shit, but it was a grocery store in Harlem. But anyway, for the most part on the East Coast, you see shit like that. At least on the West Coast or anywhere out West, you can just hop in your car and you can generally get 15, 20 minutes anywhere you want to get to. And it's love. Like, it's it's not the same. Um, I mean, the, the big cities, you're, you're somewhat confined in a way. People do not leave their neighborhoods in, on the East Coast in a way they would uh, in other places, I would say. I, I'd say once you get farther out West, a 20, 30, 40-minute drive, for people like fuck it, people are more willing to do those types of drives. So that's an interesting perspective. So I, I mean, I guess to to answer, there's probably food deserts still, but the thing is, you're not confined. <clears throat> that's that's the beauty of the West, you know. I think people, I mean, guy, I, I go back to the city now, I feel suffocated. I, I can't stand New York, bro. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, a, it's trash. I feel you. I mean, definitely as I've grown older in my days, I like my space more. Yeah. Um, that very uh, very sharp minded voice is my guest on Damage Goods podcast this week. He's not only uh, a lobbyist and a dear friend of mine working in politics, but he's also the gentleman who's uh, edited my new book, and he's a fucking super sharp man, my man, Clayton Douglas Abbey, a.k.a. Clay. Clayton Douglas He's Abbey. got Douglas is his middle name, and I was telling him that it's the coolest name. It just sounds like a West Indian name. I love Douglas. Um, but, yeah, we can go by, we can go by Clayton. Mr. Abby, Doc, Clay. Professor Abby. Kerouac the Wonder. Yeah, you go. Yeah. Dad, <laughs> Poppy. What does your daughter call you? Poppy? Poppy. 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 Yeah. Dude, yeah, that's a wild thing when your daughter starts calling you the thing that your girlfriend used to call you. <laughs> circle of life. That's, circle a, of that's life. the second I, circle of life reference today. <laughs> time is a flat time circle. Yo, just circle. fucking like a damaged body goods is a piece wonderland. PSA. We're drinking these uh, liquid IV like mixture joints, which is like, you know, a powder thing that's 
just to rehydrate you if you drank too much the night before. But it's got a lot of fucking caffeine, possibly man-made caffeine, maybe. Probably. And I just drank a coffee before this. This shit is definitely a science experiment. But and we you came know, off a three-day bender, so like my cognitive functioning is on a different level. It's not poor, but it's just But weird. But we did eat chilaquiles today, and that's like <laughs> about as good of a hangover cure as exists. I know we've had that conversation before. It is. There's a, um, there's, do you, so uh, aside from being all those things I listed as Clayton... Clayton is a man who who can in not only enjoys a taste but can handle one, right? <laughs> Just call me and, an alcoholic, bro. <laughs> but, but so actually, I wanted to always do this on the podcast, and I never really did it. But I find that there's different ways to kind of combat the the hangover of not just alcohol, but everything from weed to cocaine to molly to acid to mushrooms. Like there's ways to combat the negative feelings that could lead to. As a man who knows one thing about the drink. Um, do you have any tried and true methods of, of support the next day when you're on death's well, doorstep? Honestly, bro, you know, you know what I, you know what I realized through drinking, and it's terrible when you get to this level of drinking where you, your, your expertise lies in handing out advice on how to function as a drunk, basically. But first of all, you got to stay hydrated. I think that's why a lot of people get really fucked up, not only the night, the night of, but the day after. And, and I got to a point where... I would drink a lot of water for giving my nose a little running now. That's okay. It That's ain't all COVID. the cocaine we It did. ain't COVID. <laughs> no, it's not. Actually, it sounds like it is because we're on this caffeine, but right. I wish it was because this caffeine is going to wear off late in the game. It's like time release. Cocaine wears off pretty fast. This shit, I, I'm going to be up all night now. Yeah, it might be. It's in the afternoon. But I will say, so drinking a lot of water is lovely, man, because yeah. one, it, it flushes a lot of that liquor out of your system. Mm. While you're drinking, and it, you sort of reach an equilibrium where, because mm. that's the type of drinking Perfect. I do. I like to I like to be where I feel nice, but I'm not fucked up. Yeah. And then and then at, towards the end of the night, if I know I went too hard, I start chugging water. Mm. And if I'm good, I'll probably take a piss before I go to bed, and I'll be able to sleep through the night, wake up, and I feel good. I might and I you know, the next morning, <laughs> on an average day, drink a smoothie. Uh, well, and what people don't do a lot either is like start every fucking day by drinking water. Oh, that's, dude, two that's pints before I have my coffee or my tea. And 100%. the reason you should always have your water, a lot of it really, two glasses before you've had any caffeine, whether tea or coffee, is because caffeine is a dehydrant, a super yeah. dehydrant. If the first thing you pour down your fucking throat is coffee in the morning, you're yeah. actually going to have to like almost double hydrate. Yeah, you're yeah. playing catch up the whole day. And I, I do think that's a big component. Catch up or catch up? You know, Wait, am I, I'm playing catch up, but not catch up like the red sauce. See how tricky this is? <laughs> English. English, baby. That's why but I need you as an editor, because I probably would have wrote catch up. <laughs> cats Shit. up? Like, cats up? Cats up? That's the British. <laughs> cats up. <laughs> That's the cat king. Yo, we're wacky out of... We've been sleeping on strange intervals. And we, we did go on a three-day bender. Me and this dude, Clayton, the other day... That's French, yeah. It's the day of New Year's, right? Uh, New Year's Day. No, no, the one before New Year's Day. New Year's Eve's Day, whatever, see? And uh, we're going Eve. to get some tasty sushi. And we decided to, like, smoke a little, like, spliff in the... A joint, rather. It's not a spliff. I'm not in Europe, dude. Fucking, there's no tobacco. Anyway, I did, like, a little Holy yeah, Trinity. Cigarilla. I call it the shit shower shave. It was, like, the triple threat death. And it just... Left us. I mixed three different kinds of crazy ganja in one, and we're wandering around in the parking lot waiting for our table, and just fucking whacked out of our brains. I felt, and then I felt like everybody was staring at me in the restaurant, but I didn't care. And then I swear there was this couple with maybe there was brother and sister, or there was a guy and his girlfriend, or his girlfriend and her boyfriend, and the, one of their parents is their on fake the ass side. service dog. Next to this fake ass service dog. That shit was great. No, no arms were fixed, no ventilations. But anyway, 
I thought the girl was like looking at us in possibly a flirty manner. I mean, she had parents. I, I don't. I don't know that sensation anymore. It's been a long time since any woman's looked looking like a man <laughs> who's been through divorce. You guys ever want to hear <laughs> someone like <laughs> depressed? <laughs> hang out with divorced people, dude. Freshly divorced, not the guys on their second yeah. wife. Yeah, yeah. No, you know, my father was married four times. Actually, I thought it was three, but the fourth time was a quick. Quick, quick thing. Well, that's like days. that's like my pops. My pops was like, "Yo, some of us like Mary so much, we tried it three times." That's fucking like, nuts, dude. You're either badass with no fear, or you're an addict to punishment. Nah, some some people, some people don't learn, bro. Like that's a, that's a like. Sweet I mean, me personally, I'm not. I'm not. I really struggle with having to be accountable to other people. I like my independence. So I've how are you a father? You're a good father too. Well, that, for the record, because. I mean that con- that came so much more natural to me than being in a relationship. Like being a father, mm-hmm. just from day one, from the day and and having a natural birth to my to my my daughter's mother's credit. Mother's credit. She did a natural birth. She didn't take no medicine. We did it at home, which is fucking Woo! ill to me. Like that shit is real ill, and I give her a lot of respect for that. Mm. You hear but, that? Are you listening? Yeah. So I don't hate women. Okay, let's just get that out, dude. That's natural birth shit. I, I no, that shit is real. But the, so the thing is, like, Good just out the strength. For the first like hour and a half, two hours, I got to sit there and hold my daughter to my arm, and they do that skin to skin thing that they talk about. I don't know what and that it's supposed is. supposed to be vital. That this idea what is, skin is that, to skin? that it's important for babies when they're first born to make skin contact with their parents to feel that level of intimacy and love and like like you know there's there's mm. something that uh, that it induces in the children from from a very from the moment they're born, and it's it's. Uh, it's a crucial element of their early, like, mm. postnatal process or whatever. And so I got to chill with my daughter for like an hour and a half, just holding her. And it was the most profound feeling in the world, right right off the bat, right? And I never planned to be a father. I didn't, you know, there wasn't a lot of preparation in the lead up. But once I was a father, it was just, I wasn't looking back. And it all came so naturally to me. But the thing... If, if you're comparing being a father to being in a relationship, the beautiful thing about a child is that it's someone that you can mold, someone that you can coach, all the things that in some cases you kind of want to do in a relationship, right? Yeah, you yeah. wish a person would be more like this. You could, you have this talent. You could be more thoughtful. You could be more this. You can teach your child those things. Yeah, old dogs right? and new tricks don't go yeah, so well 100%. together. And also, w- relationships are difficult, bro, because, I mean... I, in the aftermath of a failed relationship, I learned a lot about communication or lack thereof, about how even I, was, I wasn't receptive to a lot of criticisms that were probably apt mm. only because of the messenger, the person that was sending them to me. That's a good where you, point, Where you're just kind of like, fuck you. Yeah. Like, why, why, I, <clears throat> I'm not going to take criticism from you because you're, you're one to call one, right? Mm. You know, you, and the thing is that that makes... That makes relationships difficult just in and of itself if, if you're not willing to receive criticism even when you know that it's probably right mm. and so I, you become you can't you become and i'm a stubborn motherfucker. no yeah no but that's a good point dude uh you know because i've seen that play out in not just relationships but like like in a i don't like even talking about politics on the podcast but like in politics right if it's two sides right you know if you're gonna just say right and left or whatever yeah, yeah. if uh, somebody it does have an honest cr- critique of the other side, mm-hmm. like, hey, this actually happened or these things were done. 
you might not be able to honestly acknowledge that the party you love so much did this thing wrong or this politician did this thing wrong because the person telling you is your sworn enemy, basically. Yep. And that's, you a, know? that's that's definitely uh, informed my politics a lot. Is like the messenger is important. Well, and also, you know, comparing it to, like you said, the, the, the common thread between a relationship and politics, as you just pointed out, is that you do feel like it's your one side or the other and you get very dug in and invested mm -hmm. in, in your posi your position and for me on a personal level when i backed away from that and i w realized one i didn't know everything i when i realized that um smart man that, that you can you can bend you can see things from a new perspective you don't have all the answers um that some of some of what you are thinking at one point is informed by naivete or informed by a younger version of yourself. Like there's yeah, emotional you know, reactions at the time. Yeah, and, and it's the same thing with politics. People get so <clears throat> invested in something and so stubborn about seeing it from a, a different perspective that, I mean, that's, I hate to get, get on this topic, but I feel like that's where we are in COVID where you got people that have been running with this ruse for two years now and they, they've seen so much evidence to suggest like maybe this isn't as severe as they've made it seem maybe uh maybe i'll be okay without a mask maybe i'll be okay without a vaccine maybe i'll be able to travel again um yet they they would have to admit they're wrong in order to embrace like these freedoms. And, and that's like, dude, admitting you're wrong is, it's crazy. Like you think when you're young, uh, right? And you're fighting with like your parent or some shit. And like, you, I don't know, there's times where I caught my parent line, you know I'm like? And they knew that I did. So like they knew that the, the ruse was up there between yeah. me and them and they still wouldn't want to admit it. And that's a parent talking to their child, you know? You're basically it's just, describing it's Santa Claus. It's tough, dude. <laughs> and like, especially in like relationships, like, um, it's a hard one. And even like, yo, even in like art, like making music or writing books and shit like that, taking criticism, it always depended who it was coming from. Yeah. You know, like, like if, if another writer or MC was to tell me to like change something or, Hey, what do you think about this? But sometimes like when I'd be with producers in the studio or somebody who's not like a writer like me, but maybe writes a different kind of pieces and shit. That criticism coming from them, it was like, nah, I mean, you don't really see my, you know, and then I would just like almost just shut it off. Because it's, you know, it's a per especially art is, is personal. It's coming yeah. from a real emotional place. So it's impossible to not feel like a little attacked on a personal level, even if that's not their intention. If it's some critic writing a review about a movie, you know, and he's millions of miles away from the director, uh, you know, maybe you could separate it, but, you know, and you'd be in the studio. I'm like, I'm separated from a glass wall in the booth to you, yeah. or, you know, or we're emailing papers back and forth. And yeah. like, even like, you know, I, when you edited the book, like, I never took anything. I mean, you're asking for someone to be a critic in, a, in an essential way sure. when you need to edit. So I just had to open up, and like, there's certain things I'm like, I like this. I'm not going to change that, but yeah, like, yeah. you gotta, you got to step outside of yourself. Well, it's you, so hard and just look be, at it. I mean, you got to get to a point in your life where you're comfortable with criticism and i think that's a hard thing for people um yeah. because who the fuck likes to be criticized who like who likes to have their shit torn down mm -hmm. but the thing is once you get to the point where one again there's a difference between the message and the messenger and so it always helps when mm. you can detach those things 
um, and realize it doesn't matter who it's coming from, there may be some truth to a message, right? I think that's why a lot of people are resistant to doing like psychedelic drugs. Like, yeah. there's this paranoid fear that you're going to be self-critical so the criticism is going to be coming from your own honest yeah. like conscious that's like when you see like 80s movies with these wall street dudes crushing it making yeah. mad money what are they doing they're drinking booze and taking cocaine and yeah. like not smoking weed they're not eating mushrooms because you would have to reflect on self and when you do that you're like am i a good person am i a little shitty like am i ripping some dude off on these stocks and mortgages and whatever yeah. the fuck and you know it, it what worse criticism harder criticism I should say to take than the the honest one of yourself like you know damn dude you fucked up you yeah. you're, you know so well it also yeah. I, to, to, I, I do think like I, I don't mean to speak too much of my personal life but like my relationship with my, with my daughter's not my daughter's mom with my mom uh, is is one that there's a lot of letdowns there and a lot of um, failures I per, that I perceive in her and in our relationship and, and the way we were raised, the way we grew up. And for decades now, there's been a longing in me for her to take some sort of accountability mm -hmm. there and yeah. sort of own up to certain things. And it never felt like it was coming. And here she is, got to be in, I don't know, she might be 70 now. And she's, I'm, I feel like there's starting to be sort of chinks in the armor where she's finally starting to take some accountability. And... I don't know. I mean, one, this this is a woman, God, God forbid, but, you know, she lives a very lonely existence and fucking COVID only has exacerbated that for people. But um, I think she's probably at the point in her life where she's like, damn, am I going to die alone? Which is some mm. fucking real shit, bro. And I think yeah. about how how that can nudge a person in terms of their behavior. I mean, there are people, you see it in movies and shit, that, you know, they go to the grave, the same sourpuss, yeah, dude. dick, and and then there are people that I think they just realize it's like, you know, because some of it is it's it's about making changes within yourself, right? Uh, and how can you make changes if you don't admit to wrongs? If you're not honest with yourself, you it, it, a lot of these things are born internally, and um, it's something that you know. At, at 70 when you get to a certain age you're probably realizing like it's kind of now or never if I don't if yeah. I don't if I don't act on this now if I don't actually start doing something you know where am I going to be in five years I may not even be alive and, and I'm like again am I going to die alone like that's a that's a real I mean yeah, no, thing to, to wrestle with this woman yeah. who was like my father's nurse slash end of life doula she was a cool ass cool ass chick and uh, you know, she one thing she said to me Kind of like not discounting that that you know when you when you when you feel like the end is near or when you know the end is near not like getting old like I know I got a date almost set you know you do start to maybe question about things you did or did wrong in the past but she's like we all die alone though like yeah. regardless like I mean you could be <clears throat> excuse me in the room you could have someone you know holding you but like when you go you go yeah. but I, I don't think she says that to discount the the fact that you can change and or you want someone around you but more that like you know. To, to strip yourself of the fear of, like, I don't want to die alone. Well, like, and, and the thing about it is that, um, I mean, in a way, you do die alone because you're leaving on your own. You know, yeah. you're not taking people with you, right? But, like, my, my grandmother, my, like my, my, father's, my, my, fa <laughs> my father's... <laughs> he laughed. At, he's been serious for 18 minutes, and then he laughs at my suicide bomber comment. Because <laughs> suicide jokes will always be funny. <laughs> yeah, they are. terrible. But, uh, 
<laughs> but my <coughs> my father's mother IV. my father's mother passed away your like my grandmother but just to be, just to clarify oh, okay, you know cuz could have been my mom's mom or dad's mom but so when she passed away and i think she was 96 or 97 so she she lived a lovely life and i shouldn't say lovely cuz you know she she's a child of the great depression and um you know she had her skeletons in the closet but one one of the things that i thought was pretty profound is that my father and i drove down from new mexico to tucson arizona where she lived we visited her in the hospital and we spent about three days we'd go visit her and she was happy and very lively and energetic almost even though she was bedridden mm -hmm. and then we had to get back to new mexico to go to work and we kind of thought you know we'd come back and visit her in a month or something like that the day after we left though like overnight she passed she maybe just needed to see you guys she i personally think she she was like i'm good yeah, you know yeah. she's like i she saw the peace people with everything yeah she I, she saw the people she loved she she was uh, content and whole at that moment, having seen the people she saw, and she she was like, I don't need to fight no more. I don't I don't need to fight death. I don't yeah. need to hang on to this anymore, and just let it rock. That's, but she that's definitely a thing that she happens. soldiered on, for, you know, for those three days, and you know, got it to ninety seven, which is they probably would have said she died of COVID by the days. <laughs> I mean, they do like when you do kind of like make that piece. Like some people I know from being around this shit recently, and people talking to me that it's like you know. People will f stay alive a little longer because they feel like they're fighting. But when they can let go, but then that, that those that can be painful. That could be a painful two weeks, yeah, you know. Yeah. And then when they feel comfortable enough to let go and shit, then you can be like, "All right, peace, I'm out." It's like when you quit a job, like, "Yo, fuck you, fuck yeah, you, fuck you, cool. you're cool, I'm out." Straight up. Better wrap up that gavel, B. <laughs> you know, somebody needed to wrap, wrap that gavel up the other day, and I was like, "Ah, this dude needs to wrap up that." Oh God, it was a speech somewhere at a wedding or some shit, and I was like, "Wrap." The Fucking gavel up, B. I mean, it was that, a twenty-five minute speech. That that would have been. It wasn't funny. A, I mean, Chappelle was. He was. He had a lot of revolutionary comedy, man. A lot of those ideas. You you know, there's a whole generation of us that we constantly yeah, cite. Yeah, exactly. Referencing references. his shit. Just scream left out and a right. word. Uh, you could be across the street and scream like a line out, and I'll know the sketch it was from. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> but so. Clayton is not only like very smart, intellectual prowess <laughs> at a high level editing, fucking like genius Libros on my behalf, but he also works in politics. But the coolest thing is, dude, you're a man who's walked many a realm, dude, through many a spectrum and like uh, a profession that you're the only person I know to have ever held personally is a, a driver, an operator of an MTA subway train, New York City yes, Transit. Yes, sir. Which train line is the coolest train line to drive? Oh man, well, so I'll give, you a, little, like I'll give you a little. I'll give you a little background because, I mean, I think this is a uh, interesting story because, you know, listeners will be the life, judge. Life is. <laughs> I'm just fucking with you. Please share. <laughs> well, fuck. No, please. I better like this shit. Ups and um, downs, surprises. Well, so, <coughs> I uh, kind of the the way that the, just the process to become a train operator is bizarre. I mean, I I had heard that they were. Uh, going to begin hiring train operators in like December 2016. And you have to sign up for a civil service test because this is one of those civil service employee jobs in the city. And it's basically a, a, a means of preventing nepotism, I think, is one of the main reasons That's where you it. pass shit down from like yeah. your family? Yeah, exactly. That was a question for me, not clarification for the <laughs> listeners. I freaking forget. And so... That's why you get it So at. anyway, so I, so I signed up to take this test and like... December 2016, took the test in May 2017. Passed first time. 
I, I, got, I was like top hundreds, which, you know, it was Humble brag. Time. See, that's yeah. who's editing my fucking books, guys. Thank you. But it wasn't. He's a smart man. It wasn't. The, I mean, it was a tough test, but it's, it's kind of, you know, anyway, long story short, there was probably like 10, 15,000 people taking that test, right? And that's people all hoping to get this job because that's how many, it's a how fucking many res- great. Like uh, positions, rather. So it's rolling. So what they do is, what they do is, based on your score on that test, you get you get put on a list and you get called eventually to become a train operator, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you if you're in the top like three thousand, you might get a job in the next five years. Wait, After wait, that, the top three thousand? Yeah, something like that. Because Smart, you think about it, there's probably I forget the exact numbers, but there's probably like five thousand train operators in the subway, right? And it's the type of job people will spend 30 years on that shit. They'll go to the grave. People kill their bodies. There's probably like a fire-ass uh, retirement plan or some shit, right? Well, you know what Benefits it is? You're, you're making, like, when I got hired, it was $35 an hour. Um, and they basically pay you to train you for seven months to become a train operator. You get full, full, you know, retirement benefits. And then you can cake off the overtime. Like the overtime is the bread and butter for people. It's That's like, like it's construction like, workers too. It's, it's like Anything. any any of those, you know, police fire worker, officers. police officers, all those people, they caking off of overtime, right? You know, people will make triple their salary off of overtime. And and so and and you eventually you stay at it long enough, you get into like a cushy type of job that you know, you're you're doing two hours of work and getting paid ten, eleven, yeah. you know, and, and mm-hmm. so people, you know, it's a come up for people. So that's why there's tons of people trying to get into this profession. But anyway, so I took the test May 2017. I was still working out in in New Mexico at the time, but as you so know, so this is when so you've gone from New York to New Mexico was, to New York. I was bouncing back and yeah. forth right now because you know I got I got well I got my my daughter living in New York at this time, and so anyway. Almost a year passes. March 2018, I just said, fuck it. I got to go out to New York. I got a little... She wasn't even <coughs> six years old at that point, and I just felt like I needed to be where my daughter was. So I moved out there without a job, and I was kind of holding hope that I would finally hear back from MTA. So I moved out there in March. I spent two months kind of hustling to get a little gigs. I was doing tutoring and all types of bullshit, anything just to, just to get bread. And in May... MTA hits me up and they say we want you to come in for for like the processing and whatever. So the timing was it was amazing. And anyway, so then I that rest is history. I I go through the training process, which is pretty fucking fascinating. To to, I mean, I never thought I'd be driving a train in my life, and within seven months, I learned how to operate a uh, the subway, and I was running down the the rails picking up passengers and shit. And anyway, did you talk on the thing? Are you the voiceover? No, so so Those what, are all what, pe- what people what people don't know about the train system is, like in in New York City, every train has two people on it. You have the train operator who's up at the front, and that's what I did. You're basically making the stops in and out of stations. You're the driver. Yeah, and you know whipping around like it was it, that part. It was fun, you know. Like you you get skilled enough at it that it just becomes kind of a sport. Like <laughs> like how fast can I come into this station oh. and still <laughs> break so that I'm like because you have to have these pre- precise marks where you got to get to so that they say all the doors are abreast of the platform because yeah. you you see wild shit like there's there's been incidents where like a conductor who's the person in the middle and makes the announcement they also open the doors and if they're asleep at the wheel so to speak what they'll do is they'll open the doors on the wrong side for example <laughs> and like 
people will fall out on the tracks and shit because you know people will lean on the tracks. Oh, and, that's not funny. Yeah. I shouldn't have laughed. I get it now. It's <laughs> terrible. You, no, there's all types of wild shit that happens in the train. You have like there was shit. there were a few times where I, you know I got because you get a little cocky at it, you know. So there were times I I kind of missed the mark. So you got like half a door hanging out of the station, and so now you, they they have to do a special way of opening so that you're not gonna put any uh, customers in, in uh, harm's way. But that's one thing I did learn through that process is there's a lot of, you learn about the intricacies, intricacies of operating a subway system. It's, it's a, it's a challenging task to, to move millions of people every day with all these trains to, to run them on a certain schedule to maintain that schedule. You got to deal with, bro, I've seen, I've seen like you go to Flatbush on the two line, you get to the end there, and there were homeless people that would literally wait for the train to arrive, and then they'd have like six or seven shopping carts, and they'd just one by one load up those six shopping carts and just take over a whole car. Just take it over and be like, all right, we're going to rock. We're going to run all the way to Wakefield 241, which is the last stop in the Bronx. And they just ride that shit, and that's just a whole car that no one wants to go in because it's smelling shit. Dude, I have to sneeze. Sorry. Don't, he's laughing at me. It's because I have to sneeze and I'm trying to hold it off so I don't I just, ruin the story. Yet I've ruined I just, the story. I just, I just thought you were like imagining what it would be like to be <laughs> oh, in that. Because my nose is twitching because the smell of the homeless people. Because <laughs> once you smell some shit, like once you smell, smelled like a... The, once you smelled shit in New York of any kind, of the stinky ass street, a <laughs> shitty subway car, whatever it is, that that shit is indelible. You will you, like right now. You're like Paul you, Giamatti in Sideways, but with shit. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah, smell the wine. So '78 crack addicts. So which which, which train line is the best? Two uh, line sounds like awful. All right, all right, so I love working on the one line for a few reasons. One, the one is a straight shot. You go from 242nd in the Bronx to South Ferry. It it doesn't it doesn't have what you call diverging switches where you got to change tracks. Oh, that's probably it, harder. Yeah, well, yeah, it's not harder, but it's like, you know, it's it's that's where fuck ups happen, and I can explain how that happens later. But anyway, it's just you're just whipping in and out of every station, and again, like that became the sport for me is like how fast could I get from two forty second to South Ferry. And it's kind of frustrating, but it's it's actually for the benefit of the passengers. But you know, if you get good enough at your job, you get like the 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 biggest compliment is that you get held up at stations. So if you ever notice you're oh, on yeah. a subway, right, and it's just sitting in a station, and you're like, yo, why the fuck is this shit not moving? Everything seems to be going fine. It's because your your train's operating too quickly. You're ahead of time, and they want to, they they the subway the MTA to their credit. And it's for the benefit of the passengers. They want to maintain a consistency to the schedule. So, like trains on the one during rush hour run every four minutes apart. So, like, and so let's say like my first run of the day was at 9:52. That means I had to be on my train at 9:52. They're giving me two greens and I'm dipping right. And the next train behind me is going at 9.56. And they run, you know, that's probably the end of, that's probably the last rush hour train, if, if not even a little bit earlier. But anyway, so they try to maintain that four-minute four interval between trains the whole way down the line. And so, I mean, that's, it's one of those things that I never thought about as a passenger, but yeah. you learn it when you're operating, and you're like, you well, duh, that, that should was make like sense. very well-spoken in... 
not like in favor, like you're a lobbyist right now. So like that was like you almost sounded like a lobbyist for the MTA. That was pretty good. I dude. mean, I won't lie. I would I would I would love to. Yo, because the thing is, I do think they suffer from a lot of. Uh, we're all wildly critical of our public transportation and and whatever city we live in. Well, they be, we, you know, if there was we a, if there were a way to for you know more people to understand the intricacies of it and the fact that some of the some of the delays are for the the passengers' benefit. And also, like the thing that people probably know, but they don't consider when they're actually late because they're just like "fuck the MTA" or whatever. It, <laughs> I would I say eighty-five percent of the, the, the of the delays on a train or on a bus. Well, the bus is different because you got to deal with fucking traffic, traffic. but. It's other humans, like the Fuck same it. shit. Like we, you would. So we got you, too many people. Is what you're telling me? Well, no. Like, like I'm saying. Like sometimes, let's let's say you leave in Flatbush and you're headed northbound to the Bronx. Um, you're supposed to leave at eight fifty-five. Uh, you get the green lights. They're like, train operator, why aren't you moving that train? Why aren't you moving that train? And meanwhile, it, the again, there's things you I never knew about trains. And you never would think about. But like for example, I as the train operator, I cannot move that train. If the doors aren't closed, and if I don't have this thing called indication, which is the conductor, their job is to shut those doors, check outside the train, and make sure that uh, that all the doors are closed and that there's nobody caught up or anything. And then they pass me this thing called indication, and I can take off on my train. And the reason why these sort of like this this seems like it's like who gives a fuck about this? Like why why what's the what's the reason for this? Yeah. But like you like. There was a conductor that got fired and charged with murder, actually, because uh, her job, again, is to shut the doors, and then you do this thing called a sweep, where you look both directions outside of your window to make sure no one's caught. And this homeless person had put her arms in to, like, try to hold the door, Mm. and the conductor had closed the door and passed indication, which means that the train (laughs) operator now has power to take away the Uh, train. And she took off while this chick's arm was caught in there. And the conductor wasn't looking, right? So then the the woman's trapped, and she just smacks five pillars oh, leaving the station. Because you, you know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, these giant and, cement subway station so, pillars. And so th- this, was, this was on the conductor because the conductor didn't do her due diligence. She didn't look both directions of the sweep and make sure that there wasn't anyone caught in the doors. And so, again, just, you know, there there are certain things that... You yeah. would never think about it as a passenger. You don't think about like, oh, this, this, you know, like, why are we sitting here? Because or, or we're just selfish. Me, me, me. I need to get to my <laughs> well, internship well, also or just, my big job or whatever. Me, I just want to go home. I'm just, I, mean, I want to go my house I mean, it, it's, now. But it's also like that. This is what where technology gets us because everything that every every benefit we have from technology. Also makes us a little bit more ignorant yeah, in yeah. the sense that Smart there are things. Smartphones dumb you down. Well, there's just you don't understand the the intricacy of things. You don't understand the hard work that that. Intricacy. And I'm not saying that. Shout it, out to the word of the day, intricacy. I've <laughs> said it twice. He said it four times. Intricacies. Oh, you keep in count. You got no, no. That's in, a wild guess. But I'm gonna just guess. I'm Rain Man sometimes. But anyway, so I, I'm sorry for getting down no, this dude, rabbit hole. Don't worry hole, about but, it. Yeah, but, we're gonna. But you want to talk about some other wild shit? Well, what's the, the yeah, what are the wild shit you see? Because this is New York City subway, which is oh, the man. biggest in the United States, at least, and it's I home mean, to I, some of the craziest, wildly entertaining shit. Even as a passenger for years, I mean, I, you'd always see funny shit. I didn't. Um, I had. I, I had the good fortune. I, I didn't. I never struck a passenger. But that oh, is. Oh Christ! Actually, I don't want to 
yeah, not but, murder but, ship per but se. It, but no, but that's I mean that's a that's probably one of the most wild things that you'll see happen on there is uh <sighs> you, I mean, there was one incident where I came into a station and it's a blind station, so I come around a a, a turn. And there's a, a homeless dude sitting there with his legs dangling over the platform. So if I hadn't hit the brakes soon enough, you I would have slammed dude, right? You're taking his legs, if not more, right? But that's actually a common occurrence, you know, like the seven train. And the seven is just wild in general because I don't know if you rem y'all remember, but the seven train, I want to say in 2019, there was like a wild shooting. Do you remember that? Where nah. they, they just murked a murk dude. Right there on the platform, they were fighting on the train. What? Someone uh, pulled a gun or something. They stumbled out onto the onto the platform, and they were fighting. Then you don't know what they're fighting for at the time, but it was one dude like with a death grip on a gun, and the other dudes are trying to wrestle it from him. And now these MTAs, like employees no, fighting, no, no, or no, just civilians? And these are civilians. Yeah, and, uh, but the crazy shit is the conductor on that seven train is the one that recorded the whole incident, oh, and, and they finally wrestle the gun away from this kid, and they mark him right there. Oh, but you know, the seven train, you get kids that, because the seven from, I want to say it's Roosevelt Ave, if I remember correctly, the rest of the way eastbound into Queens, it's all above ground. Yeah. It's, most of it's elevated, actually. And so people love love to surf the seven line. You know, what they do is they climb up on top of the train. Oh, on top of the and shit. And they run the shit. And so, you know. How fast all, is the train going at that time? Bro, the seven train... Well, that's one thing that was cool about the seven train is there's certain spots where you hit 50 miles per hour. It's the, I think the fastest in the whole uh, system. And so, I mean, again, like as a train operator, that's like the, the little things that give you joy is you're like doing this really robotic, mindless work day in and you day out. You hear the foot like, on top of the... No, no, not that. I'm talking about like be, being able to hit like 50 miles per hour. Oh, you're sitting oh. there being like, I'm, I'm going to hit 50. the kids running on, no, no, surfing on the train. Because that shit kind of, you know, you... you as as cute as that kind of sounds, where it you're sounds like crazy. these these silly boys, but motherfuckers was getting murked left and right because the, the yeah, trains are unpredictable. Like you don't know if I hit the brakes or something, and then you get tossed. You know, all it takes is there's a million things that could go wrong, and of course, I assume what happened with that. I mean, you people have done wild shit on the subway forever. You know, for a long time it was um, you would do the subway surfing on the side where like they would grab the side. You've seen that where they grab yeah, the side yeah. uh, lining. <laughs> And they just ride it towards the end, and they jump off right before the wall. But of course, even that went wrong. There were p kids that waited too long, and they run to the wall. You're dead. But so the seven had wild shit like that. Uh, you see a lot of. It's a lot of dudes jerking off on the subway. Is that like it's very common? Um, That's what all I mean, my you female know, friends always say. They you, see that all the time. You know? I mean, I have no doubt about that. It's I mean, creepy, there's dude. it's, it's just, just there's a lot of comes. mental health issues that they end up the, the people with mental health issues you're homeless and the the subway is actually somewhat of a safe haven right because at least it's a place where um there are other people so even if you're homeless but you don't want to fucking fend off in the world just on your own like you yeah. might set up in a in a subway car or whatever but you're probably still unstable in many in many regards but you know you get a lot of people shitting in between cars which ah, is like yeah, we have I've to seen mad people pissing between cars like well and then and then we have to walk through the train right like before we take them out for service so you know that was always you know there'd be a day you might it step in it, some dude. fucking human dude, shit my boy pissed like on the car like in the car <laughs> oh th that was yeah so i've you, seen i this uh, was so you just, you're this was this, this is when i was a passenger but i remember one time I was I was getting on the subway northbound at 96th Street, 
And um, it's great because this homeless dude had just kind of spread out, lied down over like three seats. And the, the, you know, this is rush hour, so it's packed, and people just want to have a seat. He whips his dick out and starts pissing? Well, so, no, no. So oh, what happens I saw is, that happen so on the video. What, so what happens is... Uh, you know, like some snooty guy that was probably going to Columbia University or some shit. Gotta be going to he, Columbia. Well, because there's only like three stops that white people would go north of 96th Street. Oh. So you, process of elimination, right? So so anyway, so he gets on. He sees, and he, you know, he gets that like frumpy attitude where he's like, well, and you can see him getting his energy up to be like, well, I'm going to say something, right? Yeah, and so anyway, so he, he smacks the bum and like wakes him up. He smacks the bum. And then the, he's like, can I sit there? So... And I'm standing there watching. I'm just like, bro, what are you doing? Like, the, like, do you want to sit there? Like, do you, yeah, exactly. Do you want to sit next to a homeless person? Who the it's, fuck wants? So anyway, the, the homeless person sits up. What are you saying, Clay? Can't sit next to a homeless person? I mean, the lights will literally fuck you. Yeah. I mean, there's a Actually, million bed things. Bedbugs like, runs yeah. rampant in New York City anyway. Nah, Don't bro. sit on the wooden benches. You don't want to be anywhere in a subway. Doesn't bedbugs live on the wooden benches in the subway? Not oh. to discredit the MTA. You're the lobbyist, uh, but that's what I've heard. <laughs> I wouldn't put it. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Uh, it's not out he's of the literally a lobbyist too. I'm not joking. That's why he's really smart. Keep going though. But, but so anyway, so he smacks the bomb. He, he smacks, smacks the, the bomb. The bum sits upright. And then he sits down. Within 15 seconds, I'm, and I don't say shit. I'm just like, bro, you you get to lay in the bed that you made now. But <laughs> the bum oh, how the cookie does just crumble. starts pissing, <laughs> but sitting there upright. Like he doesn't even. And oh, the thing God, is, so I like, laugh so, that, so like it Maybe fills it fills his whole seat. And then it oh, starts flowing oh, over oh, oh, into the course, dude. <laughs> Where does he think? It's not like the subway's fucking flat. Like when my boy was pissing, I mean, Are you a, he was it was going downhill because he was pissing up in the car purposely. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, that's so the, we went through the whole. We were on the six train coming from um, uh, what's it called, City Island. So we're still above ground, and it was just going downhill. So the whole car is pissed now. Yeah, and I mean it just so no the, one fucking the, flinched either. The, Nobody batted an eye. Oh no, that's normal. Well, I mean, for this dude, I, I'm watching him, and I was just like, "Bro, you you got what you deserve now, because now he's getting piss all over him, and Ooh, he, you don't he hops up." With Lee Russell, <laughs> don't tussle with don't Lee tussle Russell. With Yo, my, I'm so caught now because I drank that fucking caffeine, <laughs> yeah, thing. Yeah, the, liquid IV, the, the and I crazy, smoked a joint. All right, so and we my need to mouth talk. Feels like it's bleeding. No, no, we need to talk about something because I'm, <laughs> I'm, bleeding. I, I would not. I would not recommend buying liquid liquid it's IV not or whatever. It's sugar shit. But it it doesn't hydrate. Isn't that the whole point of it? It's supposed to hydrate. So I feel thirstier after I drink these things. It's like I, drinking. A, it's it's. A, I don't. I, I don't get. Cave it. in question right now. <laughs> <laughs> Give me water. I'm so thirsty. I feel like I'm in Guantanamo Bay. You know you don't fucked up, right? Yeah. You know I'm you don't fucked up, right? You know that that guy's name is Cook in that movie, and his name is Cook in um. Commando, he's in Commando, and he's also in fucking Predator as well. Steve God Cooks. Um, what's his name in Predator? He's like, oh no, he's just like, I'm gonna have me some fun. I'm gonna have me some fun. We start going crazy. <laughs> oh, you yeah, remember yeah, that part? Yeah. And he just gets lit up. Oh man, sorry, we got way <laughs> off track. My heart hurts. Jake's <laughs> having a heart attack over here. I almost had a heart attack if, in the car. If this we ain't were a, on the fucking this 10 East, I almost killed us. If this isn't an ad for Liquid IV, I don't know what is. <laughs> Are you a lobbyist for? No, you can't be. You just shit it on them. You're on their competitors. Fuck that liquid IV. Yeah. Dude, ne also, next week I'm out with a new ad. <laughs> Try this liquid I five. Wait, that is IV. Is I five? I liquid four, bro. That's liquid, liquid IV. Quattro, four. the quattro. Jesus Christ, the you didn't. Quattro, bro. You can't handle your Roman numerals. Oh God. And you're from New Mexico, green and red chilies. If there is a gun in your mouth and you only get one chili, red. the green or the red, so you're going rojo. Yeah. He's red. I mean, green is definitely the the day to day, but red, 
Just like the, the That's what you did. Actually, you know what? I, they should have noticed from your chilaquiles order today. That chilaquiles. was a tell, like in Rounders, the five star movie. Oh, we did, did we talk, by the way, about chilaquiles being the. the so, yeah, we did. We did. Because we, <laughs> we got on mad yeah. tangents, though. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm really hard time breathing. Mad. <laughs> 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 what's <laughs> is it that you don't want to go numb? I've been complaining about this arm what? for two hours, dude. What happened is Jake got the Dominican pinch. Dude, my girl might have disconnected a ligament in my yeah. right arm. If if that had been his ooh, ear, ooh, he, <laughs> <yo>. <laughs> he got the, <laughs> ooh, ooh. oh shit, <laughs> this this shit's going off the rails yeah. right now. <laughs>